before we get into the message this morning, um, I follow someone on Twitter, and uh, one of the things that they like to say is they say there are so many ways to worship God. And uh, as Kurt was singing this morning, I was thinking about the incredible way that he leads us in worship every week. And I'm so thankful for him, so thankful that he and Michelle take the time to record and lead us in worship. And uh, I just love you, brother, and I'm so thankful for you. And, uh, you know, as Kurt leads us in worship in that way, I think about that statement, though, that there are so many ways to worship God. And I think that what I want to see us be as a church and the kind of person that I want to be is a person who doesn't just worship by singing. That is meaningful. That is powerful. As a former worship leader and as a worship leader, I, I, I absolutely, music is important. Singing matters the powerful moment is when we take those words and we become people who do something with it. When we do justice. When we do mercy. We are people who walk humbly into this world and love those around us. That is the true act of worship. Let's be those kind of people. And I think that's why this series is so important and why this matters so much. Because if we don't learn how to love the people around us, I don't know that we can ever truly love God. And if we truly are love, lovers of God, we will truly learn to be lovers of the people around us. The, these, as we've talked about the past couple years, are not things that are independent of each other. For the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, you can't have, on the one hand, love for God an unloving attitude of people. When you love the people around you, you reflect your love for God. These two things are cyclical, not an independent reality. But that doesn't mean that we always get it right. It doesn't mean that there's always a tension that, that we struggle with in understanding what does it mean to love your neighbors. It doesn't mean that we don't fall into a sin of prejudice and hatred and disgust for those around us because that is the brokenness within humanity that leads us to that direction. It's a brokenness that looks at the world and says, I don't want the best for those around me. I want the best for me. And we see that from the geopolitical realities around us all the way to what happens in our neighborhoods and in our classrooms and in our places of work. Love of our neighbor does take work, but it takes a reflective work seeing inside of ourselves and saying, God, I need you to change my heart. I need you to wreck the places within me that cause me not to love the people around me the way that you love the people around me. And I took some notes this week about where we've been and, and where we've gone during this series. And I just want to read some of those notes to you as we get into this week and as we talk about this last, this last uh, point that we can learn today. In the first week of this series... We focused on Jesus sharing his mission and his vision of good news for all people. And he shared that to people in a village that he grew up in. And the people listened to him at first, but they were unprepared and unwilling to listen as he began to talk. And the problem was that their compassion was only big enough for people who looked like them, who talked like them, who lived like them. And once they were forced to define neighbor outside of their prejudice... They retreated from the words that Jesus spoke. 
And so we see a warning there for us that it's easy to get caught into our own prejudice and miss out on what Jesus is calling us to do, which is to love all people. And that the good news is for all people, not just some people, but for all people. In the second week, we saw Jesus put those action into words as he walked into a region that was filled with animosity. The people there were supposed to be Jesus' enemies. The people of Jesus' tribe and community were seen as enemies to them. Yet at that moment, in that story, we saw Jesus sharing good news and revealing good news. And that good news in that story, we saw it knew no gender, geography, ethnicity, or any other limit. We want to place on the grace and mercy of God. His grace is limitless. When we see ourselves trying to limit the scope of the grace and mercy of God, we can be assured that we are going against the will of God because God's goodness, His grace, and His mercy throughout these scriptures teaches me that it is not an inward-focused reality, but an ever-expansive reality. And we have been given the gift to join in that, to see that, to be a part of that, to share that, and that is good news. That is good news. And then last week we read the story of Jesus multiplying five loaves and two fish to feed a crowd of over 5,000 people. And we saw this physical act as a metaphor for us to share God's unending grace and mercy with our world, that unending grace and mercy that he has. And we ended with a prayer that God would multiply our love for our neighbors. And as we learned, our neighbors aren't the only people, aren't just people that we choose. And so I encourage you to continue to pray these prayers. That God would close off and remove our prejudices. That God would lead us to walk towards those that everyone else tells us that we should have a reality of animosity towards. And to pray prayers that God would expand and multiply our compassion and our love for others in ways that tear down walls that we have erected in our lives and that we have built. As we come to this final week, I want you to listen to a verse that we find in the book of Galatians, and it's so incredibly powerful. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, a couple notes about this, because I think this is important for us to get the background of this text to see where this takes us today. This passage comes from a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and it was to a group of churches in an area called Galatia, a region uh, called Galatia. As a part of the Roman Empire, the communities of Galatia were filled with all kinds of people. They came from all sorts of places. They had all sorts of different backgrounds. And the churches in Galatia were as diverse as their communities. But a group of people had infiltrated these churches. And these people began to teach something different. Where Paul had taught inclusion, these people focused on exclusion. Hear me on this. Paul went into this community of Galatia, into these places where he formed and and developed and brought these churches together of diverse people from all kinds of backgrounds. And in that time and age and day, it was a big deal for people from all kinds of backgrounds to come together and join together in a church community. And Paul hung his hat on this reality 
He, he saw that his responsibility was to share the good news with all people. And then these people come in and say, hey, you know what? While Paul's out of town, Paul was wrong. And they begin to teach a gospel of exclusion. And it ticks Paul off. Paul wasn't going to have any of that. And so in Galatians, in these other letters, we find him pushing back against this and saying some things to these people that, man, it's rough. It's harsh. Because he was mad. In the first week of the series, we looked at a verse where Paul challenged this. And he said that kind of exclusion isn't good news at all. He couldn't believe that people would even buy into it. The way we put this is a way that I think we can help us understand it today, that puts it a little bit more in our context. It's something we can remember easily, something that we can take with us as we walk into this world. And it's simply this statement. If it isn't good news for everyone, it isn't good news for anyone. If it isn't good news for everyone, it isn't good news for anyone. I love this statement. This statement has stuck with me for many, many years when I learned it from someone else and I began to take it as a mantra in my own life. And it helps me to see that, hey, if what I'm sharing and what I'm doing and the things that I'm portraying, am I, am I sharing good news to everyone? Or am I only sharing good news for a few someones? But if it isn't good news for everyone, it isn't good news for anyone. Now, Let's go back to this verse that we talked about. Therefore, as we have every opportunity, this is Galatians 6, verse 10 again. Let us do good to all people. The verse that we just read there hits different when you hear the context that Paul is talking about here. Let us do good to all people stands out when you see that the temptation was to only do good to some. When you see that these people were taught, hey, you don't have to good new, good, bring good news. You don't have to do good for all people. You can only do good for some. It hits different when Paul says, hey, let us, good do, let us do good to all people. To all people. Now hold on to that thought for a few minutes. And I want to go to a story from the life of Jesus. It's a story that I want us to look at today that builds on this. It adds a final dimension to this series that we're in. In this story, we find Jesus surrounded by a large crowd. And this was normal by this point because Jesus had done amazing things. Everyone was seeking him out. Everyone was seeking him out. But at that moment, in that moment, Jesus heard a voice rising above the rest. Mark 10 says this, And they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along this road. Now, during this series, this Love Your Neighbor series, our students in K through 6th grade have learned from the same passages as us each week. If you have students in those age groups, I hope that you have had an opportunity and you still have this opportunity. It doesn't end after this month. This is something we should always be talking about. But you have an opportunity to talk to your kids about what you learned because they learned it in their videos and in their devotionals as well. 
So I want to take a few minutes today, and I, I want to, in some ways, celebrate that. I want you to see that. I want, if you haven't seen the videos before, to see these videos. It's about four minutes, and I just want to pop it here in the middle of my sermon. Then after this video, we're going to come back, and we're going to close this up. But I want you to see how the kids, and specifically in the K through third grade, what they saw today and how they learned about this story. So let's watch this, and then we'll close out the series. Jesus spent time with people of every kind from every background. He answered trick challenges from important religious leaders and sincere questions from rich men. Sell everything you have. Give the money to those who are poor. Then come follow me. Jesus didn't hesitate to welcome kids. Let the little children come to me. He was endlessly patient with his own friends when they argued about who should be first. The Son of Man did not come to be served. Instead, he came to serve others. Even as Jesus made his last journey to Jerusalem, he didn't let what was ahead distract him from the people he met along the way. Uh, hey Jesus, this crowd we picked up in Jericho is really slowing us down. Want to pick up the pace? But Jesus didn't try to shake off the crowds that followed him. It's Jesus. Jesus. A short way ahead, a man named Bartimaeus sat by the road on a torn and dusty mat. He stretched out his arms desperately, hoping someone would drop a few coins in his empty hand. Please help me. Bartimaeus was blind. There was no work he could do to earn money, so he depended on the kindness of strangers passing by. The crowd quickly surrounded him. He's right there! It's him! I see Jesus! I swear I see him Unbelievable! Jesus! Bartimaeus had heard of Jesus. He'd heard stories of sick people who'd been healed by Jesus, and in his heart, he believed they were true. Jesus! Bartimaeus knew he couldn't let this chance slip away. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shh, be quiet. Jesus probably doesn't have any time for you. Son of David, have mercy on me. Let it go. Jesus! Through all the noise and clamor, Jesus heard Bartimaeus plea. It would have been easy to keep walking, to push on towards Jerusalem, but instead, Jesus stopped. Call for him. What? What's happening? Cheer up! On your feet! Bless your heart, Jesus is actually calling for you! Me? He, he heard me! Bartimaeus jumped up, tossing aside his dusty coat. He staggered towards the voice he'd heard. Hands in the crowd helped him to find his way. Jesus! What do you want me to do for you? Teacher! Teacher! I want to be able to see! Jesus smiled as he looked directly into Bartimaeus' unseeing eyes. Go! Your faith has healed you. Bartimaeus blinked and blinked again. Bright colors and shapes flashed before his eyes, vivid and breathtaking. I, my eyes! Uh, I can see! As a brand new world came into focus, Bartimaeus fixed his gaze on the face before him, the deep eyes and kind smile of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus! <laughs> Thank you! Jesus nodded, then turned again towards Jerusalem. As the crowd began to move, Bartimaeus joined in to follow the man who had stopped for a few minutes to change his life. As I was looking at that story this week, 
as I reflected on what the kids were talking about and as I read it for myself. There's so many ways that you can approach and look at that story as we've learned that you can do through Scripture. But there's some things that came out of that that really connect back to where I want us to close today is I want us to think about this series. And I think it really helps us to bring this love your neighbor sermon series, this love your neighbor idea, this love your neighbor uh, command from Jesus. It really brings it into focus for us. If you look at the people around Bartimaeus, if you look at as he sat there on the ground, as he was waiting, as the crowd passed him by, and he began to call out that there were, then these people that we read in the scriptures she talked about on the video who tried to silence Bartimaeus. And the people who tried to silence him didn't want Jesus to focus on the one because they wrongly thought that one voice didn't deserve to be heard above the rest of the crowd. Now think about the cynicism in that. Think about the attitude in that. And how many times have we found us there as well? They didn't want Jesus to focus on the one. They didn't think that his voice deserved to be heard of everybody else. The reality is this. As followers of Jesus, our ears should be tuned to hear the voices of those most in need. I wrote this down in my notes, and I want you to hear this because I think this is where I want us to land today. While you can't respond to everyone, as Jesus showed us, you can respond to the one you hear. Let me say it again. These are things that I like to repeat. Sometimes I like to say for those to to hear it louder in the back. Well, you can't respond to everyone. You can respond to the one you hear. Now that brings us back to Galatians 6, 9 through 10, because there's a tension here that I want us to see. In this passage, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, there is a cynical, nefarious approach in our culture today that seeks to silence the voices of the marginalized by using the word all as an exclusionary statement. Let me caution us because that kind of cynicism further marginalizes those seeking justice. As I put it here in my notes, doing good for all means finding the one who needs good done for them. Again, let me say it again. Doing good for all means finding the one who needs good done for them. To have our ears open to those who are crying out that we, as followers of Jesus, would have our ears tuned to hear those voices seeking justice and seeking mercy and seeking grace. In a world where the crowd is so loud above them, may we be the ones who hear them, who ally ourselves with them, who lift them up and bring them to the feet of Jesus. As we close up the sermon series, let's conclude with another story from the life of Jesus that drives the title of the series, the phrase that we focus on these four weeks. It's the story that opened up the series in our second week. Listen to this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And as we close out today, I just want to ask a simple question. What if love your neighbor isn't a slogan, but a prayer? And what if it's a prayer for God to tune your ears to hear the cry of your neighbors? Whomever they are, because they are who God wants you to hear. What happens within us when we shift our attitudes away from an exclusionary place of grace to one that sees God's grace and mercy as limitless? The joy that comes over our lives as we realize, maybe for the first time, that we're actually sharing good news with this world. What would it look like if all of us listening or watching today prayed this prayer, God, teach me to love my neighbor. And in that moment, neighbor was no longer just, you know, some, some, some kind of generic word that we use to describe everybody under the sky. But what if in that moment, love my neighbor, God convicted, God reached into your life, God forced you to see your prejudice face to face, God began to tear down walls that you've erected in your life, and God called you to ally yourself with your neighbors to hear their cry and to speak truth and justice and mercy and grace and life and blessing on them. How would this world change if as followers of Jesus we said, God, Teach me to love my neighbors, whomever they are. Let's pray. God, as we close this series, we simply pray. Teach us to love others the way that you love us. Help us, Father, to stop the cynicism, to avoid the qualifiers, to remove the judgment, and to be what you have called us to do. to invite others to experience the good news of Jesus Christ who is our Savior 
and our King. It is your name that we pray today. Amen.